guys. Thank you, choir. Isn't it cool to see the young ones, the young ones, like I'm that old? Wait, I am old. Yes, it's been an amazing morning already. If you will be ready and be in uh, Romans 15, we are going to, I entitled this one, Building, up, Building Each Other Up, A Very Messy Situation. Um, we're going to take a look at what it looks like for us to not only deal with our own life and this journey of faith that we are on, uh, this relationship with Christ, but now scripture says we need to be on the lookout for other people, be an encouragement to build each other up. And so 15, Romans 15, 1, we, are, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And to bear is not just to tolerate. You know, I can bear this, uh, I can bear certain music, but this is, this is more to, to bear up, to hold up, which if you know me, my favorite word for this is undergird. I love that word, undergirding. Um, and undergirding is this picture of, I am, always imagine a bridge and it's all the structure underneath that is just holding the entire weight of that bridge in place. Um, that's what does bearing up our brothers and sisters that are weak in the faith, is, is holding, is, is caring, is lifting not only a certain situation, it's lifting them totally up uh, in prayer, in mentoring, whatever that situation looks like, uh, but to completely bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2 says that exactly, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we're gonna see how important this is. Uh, even to start off with that verse, that it is fulfilling the law of Christ, uh, that we are to not only keep our eyes focused on Christ, but we're to look around. Uh, like I shared before, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Two vital pieces of who we are as a church, who we are in our faith in Christ Jesus, is to, is to be a help and encouragement to those who are weaker in their faith weaker. They may not even have a faith. They may not know Christ. Uh, we are surrounded by people in our life that desperately need him, desperately need this edification. Edifying is moving someone from one place to another. And to apply this in faith is to, is to find a brother and sister in Christ that need encouragement along in their faith and to guide them and, and mentor them and disciple them to a place that's stronger than where they were before. And that's this picture of what it means to deal with those who are weak in our faith, not to just tolerate them, not to avoid them. You know, walking down the hall, our hallways are really big. I've never seen it, I hope I never see it. You know, uh-oh, here comes Joe Smith and you take off down the hall, you know, the other direction. That's, it's, it's getting messy. And that's why I wanted to talk about it's not easy. We're dealing with our own stuff in life. Now Paul's saying, well, that's great. And God's doing the work in your life, but we've got more to do. We've got to look around and to encourage and, and build up our brothers and sisters. And it's not to please ourselves, which is quite the opposite of culture. Culture wants you to say, look out for number one. You know, you need to take care of yourself first. No one else matters. You know, you're living with yourself the rest of your life. Uh, don't worry about what anyone else says. Here's the opposite of, of no, we've got to keep an eye out. Um, but isn't it so much easier to say it's my way or the highway? 
right? Unless I'm on the highway, then get out of my way, because you're probably a bad driver, okay? As I'm working through this sermon, I'm like, come on, God, every time I come up with this. Um, I don't know if it's you or if it's only me, but there's some bad drivers, and it's not just Waldorf, it's everywhere, okay? And how impatient do I get? All right, fine, time for confession, probably for a couple of weeks, and I live like 2.4 miles away from here. I would get in the car, drive into work, very short drive, and I knew, and I did it for a week, I knew I could find three people that were being bad drivers. I, I, whatever it was, running a stop sign, whatever, I knew, guaranteed, there were gonna be three people that were gonna mess up, according to my standards, of course. Okay, Carrie hates this, my boys hate this. Um, but yeah, how selfish am I to get in the car and be like, I'm not even gonna barely make it down to 228 to Wawa, you know, without someone irritating me. Um, but that's that mindset of my way or the highway, there, no one else does it right. You know, if you want it done right, do it yourself, right? But here's Paul saying, no, you have to, you have to give that up. You have to be willing to self-sacrifice. Here's my other admission, and I, I got permission from Carrie, and it's not about her at all, it is all me. Um, and I got a couple of nods from wives to their husbands for this, so maybe it's a guy thing, I don't know. I can't stand it when you unload the cart onto the conveyor belt at the cash register, the wrong order of items. <laughs> Am I right? Heavy first, okay, cases of water, dog food. You gotta keep your cans all together. You gotta keep your bags all together. You gotta keep your produce separate. <laughs> then your bread and eggs. Don't, don't just throw them on the conveyor belt. <laughs> Carry, I mean, whoever. Of course, first service, I almost challenged myself to the next time we go together, I'm not even gonna say anything and I'll let her unload how she wants to unload. But that ain't gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. I'm sorry. But, but don't we get so caught up in a very selfish, self-centered life? Um, it is so much easier to live life if everyone was like me. Um, but here's, here's completely opposite of what Paul is saying that we need to do as Christians. And it is, to, it is to take care of the needs of other people. Um, it is to take care of the needs of your neighbor. And it's not to conform to them totally. It is not being a people pleaser, um, but it is, to, it is for their good. It is to edify them. It is to continue to build them up. And to please is to accommodate oneself to the opinions, desires, and interests of others. And... If you're married, we did a beautiful wedding yesterday, new couple that's starting off, you know, one day in now, they're going to have to learn to adapt some things that they liked or didn't like to the other person. Um, chick flicks, for instance, okay? If I wasn't married, I wouldn't watch so many chick flicks or Hallmark specials or Carrie Loves is an acorn TV. It's all the BBC, the, the British broadcasting shows. Um, and I, I enjoy them, you know? <laughs> but there's things that, that I'm willing to sacrifice for her. Now, I will say, 
that of all the girls I dated, Carrie was the one that loved James Bond as much as I did. Okay? That was, that was, I knew immediately at that moment. She was the one for me. But, but we've got to be willing, and, and these are easy things. Life isn't always all about the easy stuff. But here's a picture of, of giving, a, giving ourselves away for the good of someone else. Um, basically, it's taking our lives with all the mess that we're in and not worried about getting our hands dirty with the messes of someone else. And that's a beautiful picture. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, and you can turn there or I can read it. But Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each other esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And I mentioned this before, this isn't becoming a people pleaser, and I be one. Uh, If you know me, I want everyone happy. I would rather, you know, not have drama in my life. Like, I will do whatever I can to make it easier for everyone else. And that's not saying, because imagine a church, if we all we're worried about that and, and conforming to the needs of people that, that weren't leaders and weren't uh, at a spiritual maturity that we need to be. Everyone, we would be a mess. So it's not being a people pleaser, but it is being on the lookout for those that are in need and help them, edify them, move them from one place to the other in their faith. Galatians 1.10 is very clear about the approval of man versus God. That for I am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Uh, so understanding the difference of of pleasing our neighbor and taking care of their needs versus being a people pleaser and conforming totally to someone else, it is edifying. And we, as a church, as Christians. We've got to work on the selfishness. We've got to work on being so nitpicky about certain ways that we do things, the way that we do ministry, the way that we do church, to, to get so caught up in, in what is wrong with everything and encourage each other into continuing to glorify God in all that we do. So this is not easy. Paul knows this. Um, and I put, a, I put little notes in my Bible of a little conversation with with Paul of, you know, this sounds a little difficult, Paul. I've got all this stuff I've got to deal with on my own. I don't want to get my hands dirty with someone else's life. And now you're asking me that I've got to reach out and and build up my brother and sister. I'm now dealing with their life. You know, how are we supposed to do this? So Paul's got this all set up, okay? Because the very next verse in verse three, he brings in the example of Jesus. Uh, and, and talks about that now, let's take a look at how, what Jesus did. Because Jesus didn't come to be the son of God and showed up and was raised until his ministry age. And then he didn't advertise to everyone, hey, I'm the son of God. If you wanna come and learn from me, I'll see you on Sundays and Wednesday nights at the temple. Uh, he, that wasn't Jesus. What did he do? He came and lived among us. He came and served. He came and lived the life that we live um, in his pure, sinless manner and got his hands dirty. Um, And that was who he was. That was his purpose. 
was to take on our sins and our iniquities. And this quote from Psalm 69, talking about the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me, is this picture of those who hated God, who threw insults at God, who didn't understand God, all of those directed to, towards God, Christ took on himself. Um, he bore all of that, all the insults, all the shame to the cross uh, for all of us. And Isaiah 53 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And let me read to you this picture of what it looked like for Christ to take on all of these insults, all of our sin, all of our mess uh, to the cross. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he was born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And that's exactly what Jesus did. So Paul is saying, look what Jesus did. Here's a situation that he could have easily come, taken care of our business um, and, and provided a way, but that took the forgiveness of all of our sins. Uh, for us to be anywhere close to an all holy God, we cannot be with sin at all, not even one. And for us to know that we, for us to become sinless and, and without blemish was the shed blood of Christ on the cross. So all of our sins are forgiven, that we are covered in the blood of Christ, that we now can enter into a relationship with God. But it took Jesus getting his hands dirty and he was willing, more than willing to do that. And aren't you glad that he received us that way? Aren't you glad that he didn't say, look, you know, if you want to enter into a relationship with me, I need this, 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 and this fixed. You know, you need to get rid of this addiction. You need to get rid of this habit. You need to change this about your life before you ever even try to talk to me. Aren't you glad he didn't do that? We would all be stuck uh, with no savior. And as we have that picture of Christ and his forgiveness, we too need to turn that around and share that with others. Uh, not be so caught up in all the wrong they're doing, but look at them as a child of God and encourage them and build them up. In Luke 6, it talks about taking a log out of our own eye before we try to point out the splinter uh, in our friends. Uh, and so true. We, are, we have so much going on. And Paul's like, look at what Jesus did. Because of Jesus, look and all that he did for us, how can we not turn and love others around us? We had a very cool situation. We had a great trip to Houston with our young adults uh, in the early part of June. And one of our days, we were supposed to go to the home of Precious, which is her name, and her personality completely matched her name. Uh, we had a great time with her. We were still dealing with uh, mold and issues in her home from the hurricane, and they were in the process of putting new drywall in and everything. But our job that morning was to move more items from her home into this big storage shed. And in our minds and, and the people that were guiding us and took us over there thought that after the hurricane, she had put all these items from her home that were, were salvageable and other things from loved ones' homes, some that had passed away, 
into this big, big storage container. And we're talking the big metal container you see on ships. Uh, and so we were to open that up, rearrange it so we could get more stuff in. So we opened that thing up and it was the nastiest, gnarliest smell I'd ever smelled in my life. It was before the hurricane that she had this storage container, not after. So this thing was nine months saturated and there was still condensation on the inside of the container. Everything just soaked. Um, and it was, it was overwhelming, the smell. Uh, and then to realize that now we had to take all of her stuff and take it out to the street to get picked up, uh, to be thrown away. And just very overwhelmed with, with what was going on with all the things in her life. And then I went to this passage and thought, how much greater is this picture of Christ who, when he opened up, you know, Randy's life, it stank pretty bad, probably more, and by the way, still does. But Christ was willing to come in and get his hands dirty in my life um, to realize that I needed him. And pastor brought this up last week, a beautiful picture of our new life in Christ isn't that we get a whole new reset. You know, we get all new family, friends, situations. You know, all of that's gone. We get this whole fresh new start. Our sins are forgiven, yes. We get the fresh start, yes. But now it's dealing with Christ in our current situation. Christ in our life, in the messes that we have as, a, as in our own life, Christ is in there now to mold us, to take that, to mold us, to make us into who he wants us to be. And, and that's more like him. What an awesome picture. So here's Paul saying, look, I know it's gonna be difficult for you to deal with some other people. Look what Jesus did, be reminded of what Jesus did. And now you have the capability to do this. But I'm still like, wait a second. All right, that's, is that really fair? Because Jesus is God's son, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Messiah. You know, of course he can handle that. So how am I really supposed to handle that? Well, if you read on with me in verse four, Paul has an answer again. Um, and that answer is in God's strength, that through scripture, we have an endurance and encouragement, this hope that can only come from him because of the word of God. So not only have we been tasked with encouraging others, we have seen the example of Jesus and what he did. Now we have some tools, some weapons, if you will, to be able to accomplish that. And that's through the written word of God. And verse four, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And, oh, the written word. When is the last time that you've actually written something down? Some of you might be taking notes on paper now. Um, that's how I actually start my sermon pro process is handwritten a lot of stuff. I was at the bank getting a check, um, and I forgot my checkbook, so they gave me the blank one to get, you know, cash out. And I'm sitting there struggling with my, you know, my numbers and, and handwriting and cursive. And I asked the banker, I said, how does this new generation do that? If they're not learning cursive, she goes, it's ridiculous. How bad people's handwritings are as they try to write in the numbers on the check. And as I was reading this and, and, and realizing the importance of God's word and, and with encouragement and strength, uh, there is a time 
before Carrie and I were married, we were about five hours apart, the three months before we were married. And by the way, speaking of the, 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 the youngest generation, we didn't have texting, we didn't have FaceTime, Snapchat, you couldn't just free phone calls all day, every day. No, we had to write letters. Um, we could make a phone call, but if you guys remember, you had to wait till like after 10 o'clock at night for it to be semi-cheap enough. I mean, there was big phone bills those three months. So we would write letters, and I was looking this week to try to find our box, and I know it's somewhere. So, um, but those letters got me through uh, and got carried through. It was an awesome thing to get a letter and knowing that we had the countdown to the wedding, but how much greater is this letter from God to us? Um, that it's not, it's gonna last more than three months. It's gonna last our lifetime. It's, it's been generations uh, to have the precious word of God, the written word of God, the inerrant God-breathed word of God in our hands. And this is hope. This is our encouragement. This is our endurance. Paul's reminding us the preciousness of this book. Um, and I think we can all do a little better, even if it's moments a day, uh, just popping into his word. And there is nothing that will encourage you more, encourage us more, help us with the patience that we need to find the hope and see the hope each and every day um, by this word. And I would challenge all of us to continue to, to dig into the word of God more and more. So Paul's like, look, you've got the written word. Like, use that as an encouragement. Use that as hope and patience because it is hope. It is the greatest hope. And understanding that we have all access to God. Um, we have, I, and I would much rather rely on God's patience and endurance to deal with situations than my own. And that's the beauty. It's not just, you know, keep your nose clean, I'll see you in heaven when you get there. God's all in with us, all in. The Father, the Son, the Spirit. We have full access to God. And how awesome is that? And Paul's like, you can do this. We can do this together. It's not easy. And Paul realizes that. But understanding that to access the patience of God, to access the encouragement of God through his word, through prayer, through others, is an amazing gift that he's given us. So Paul's tasked us with reaching out and, and building each other up, shown us the example of Jesus, reminded us of the word of God. And guess what? Paul's still not done. Look at verses five and six. Paul stops and, and this lecture on, on building others up and prays for us, prays for his listeners. And read this prayer with me in Romans 15, five and six. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? And how important is that that Paul stops and prays? Um, this is key to who we are as Christians, that it, again, not just this individual faith, uh, that we have been put in a family like John shared with us this morning. When you're here, you're family. We are family. Uh, we bond together, we bind together. 
to continue to do all things for the glory of God. And that's exactly what the end of six says. One voice glorify the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse seven says, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The glory of God again, we talk about that all the time. And here's another angle and another attitude that we can have is to encourage one another to build each other up and to welcome one another is glorifying to God. If you wanna figure out how to glorify God on a really bad day, call someone up and encourage them. Call someone, someone up and invite them to church. And after all that God has done, how can we not reach out and pursue those who are in desperate need of him? And it might be you. Reach out to, reach out to someone and ask for encouragement. Ask for uh, this hope that, that we have in Christ Jesus. And such an important aspect of even who we are as a church. And we have been working and trying different angles. I would, I would love to crank up our welcome center again and, and have a better face for people who are even coming onto our property to welcome them, to greet them. It does great things for the, for the soul. Um, I hate that Walmart got rid of the greeters. I used to hate that. Or I used to love that, walking in and having someone greet me uh, to go shopping. But we can do that. We can do that with our words. We can do that with our smiles. We can do that with the, regi- the cash register lady at, at the grocery store or while we're out at the restaurants or with our actual neighbors on our street. Um, we have such an amazing ministry. It's a messy, a messy ministry. It's not easy. But with all that God has done, and we have gone through Romans for however long this has been, seeing how amazing this grace is that we have access to, what Christ has done in our life, and that we can now turn around and be his hands and feet is a very awesome picture of what this passage is talking about. To build each other up, to be reminded of his word and the access that we have to God and to welcome those and encourage one another, build each other up to as together united, we can have this one voice glorifying God in all that we do. Let's close in prayer and then we will go into our time of invitation. My challenge to us is to look and I I pray that someone came to mind this morning. for us to, to reach out to, to reach down to, to, to build up. Um, and I pray that we continue to be a church that, that passionately loves Jesus, pursues him in all that we do, and that we reach out to each other and encourage one another, welcome one another, and build each other up to continue to glorify God as a church and to reach out into our community and into this world for him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together. Thank you for reminding us how much you love us, uh, that you were willing to reach down, Father, and to send your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, that his blood would completely obliterate all of our sin, would completely obliterate death, so that we can have that relationship with you. Father, and then that's not it, and that's not all, that we get to continue to be molded and made into your image, Father, and and to look more like Jesus. Father, I thank you for the added responsibility that we were, were reminded of today to reach out 
and across and down and up and all around us, the people that desperately need you, that you give us opportunities to be your hands and feet, to serve others in your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.